twowayradios.com, check, check. Bytwowayradios.com. Recorded almost live from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's the Two Way Radio Show. And welcome to the Two-Way Radio Show. I'm Rick Savoy. I'm Danny Feimster. And I'm Anthony Roque. And this is the podcast about two-way radios for business and consumer communications. Today we'll talk about radio repeaters. We'll learn what they are, how they're used, and how to find a GMRS or amateur radio repeater in your area. We'll also review the Bofang UV5R high-capacity 3800 milliamp battery and take some of your questions from our blog and our forums at twowayradioforum.com. Our show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com, the source of two-way radios and radio accessories for businesses and consumers since 2002. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. BuyTwoWayRadios.com, your radio specialists. Let's talk about repeaters. Let's do it. First, what exactly is a repeater? Well, Rick, a repeater is a device that allows you to extend the range of your two-way radios. Um, the idea is that uh, if, if you're limited to, you know, like most radios are line of sight, you're going to, even with a higher-powered handheld radio at 5 watts or so, you're going to be limited to a mile or two uh, in most situations. Well, if uh, you get a repeater or if you program your radio to talk through a repeater, you can get significantly more range. By significantly more range, 50 miles, 100 miles I've heard is, is, is possible, even more than that. That's a pretty significant increase. Now, the way this works is that tr- the transmissions are received by the repeater, and then it retransmits those out on a slightly different frequency. That's right. For a repeater to work, you need two frequencies. Your radio transmits on one frequency, the repeater receives on that frequency, and then the repeater rebroadcasts it out at a much higher power on a second frequency. So uh, when you're using your handheld radios, your transmit and receive frequencies are going to be programmed to be something different. So if the repeater were to go down, your radio would sort of stop working because it would be receiving on a frequency that, that was no longer being transmitted on. So when we're talking about repeaters, we're talking about a device that is essentially made up of a receiver and a transmitter. And they're using slightly different frequencies for to sort of set up a duplex operation there. Yeah, that that's what we're talking about. A, a um, repeater has a separate receiver and transmitter, and just re, sort of retransmits what it receives um, at a much higher power on a different frequency. I've heard of people making their own repeaters by like connecting two radios together and such. So. You can kind of think of it like that. If you tape two radios together or put them very close to each other, always in transmit mode, you can kind of set up, uh, you can kind of imagine, I guess I should say, how a repeater would work. 
Yeah, I've, I've heard of people doing that, and I've heard them doing it with um, even some of the little Chinese radios, like the little bow things. That's right. And um, they've um, now that's a, a very low wattage repeat type of repeater. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's not exactly easy to do uh, either, but it's it's uh, an example that kind of illustrates what a repeater is and how it works. So what are the different types of repeaters that that we have available? Uh, well, most of the repeaters that we deal with on a day-to-day basis are fixed um, analog or digital repeaters. Um, these are going to be repeaters that stay in one place all the time. They're uh, A lot of times they're rack-mounted, so they could be mounted in the, the same type of rack that uh, you would see computer equipment mounted in. And uh, these repeaters connect to an antenna that's going to be mounted on top of your building or on a tower, mm-hmm. um, somewhere very high. That's the important thing is to get that antenna as high as possible, and that's going to give you the most range. Um, there are also mobile repeaters. Uh, we sell a product called the Rytron Liberty Repeater that's a 5-watt uh, repeater. There's also a 2-watt version of it. But this repeater is often used, uh, you can be taken from place to place in a vehicle. It can also be set up in a fixed location, but um, I, would, I would consider it a mobile repeater. Now, uh, these mobile repeaters, uh, they come in handy for, uh, say, for uh, people who are doing different types of on-site work, uh, different projects that require uh, a fairly broad range of um, transmission and reception uh, out in the field. Yeah, where we would typically see a mobile repeater set up is, is um, for example, a, a construction crew that's going from one site to another. Um, they may take a mobile repeater with them because, you know, the site isn't built yet. They don't have a permanent location for the repeater. Or after their job is done, they're going to be leaving anyway. So, you know, uh, a repeater, uh, a mobile repeater is perfect for that scenario. And then we have uh, what's what's known as a digipeter. This is a digital repeater, and it's primarily used in amateur radio for uh, the transmission of uh, packet radio, you know, data packets, that sort of thing. Uh, that's that's another type of repeater. Yeah, now, good point. I'd forgotten about that one. There's uh, something if you're researching repeaters, you might run into the term duplexer from time to time. And a lot of repeaters you'll see have built-in duplexers or options for duplexers. And it's important to know what that is. Most of the time, you're going to want a duplexer built into the repeater. And what a duplexer does is allow you to use the same antenna for transmit and receive. Um, For example, uh, our ICOM CY6000 repeater. If you buy that repeater without a duplexer, there are two antenna ports on the back, one for the transmitter, one for the receiver. With a duplexer built in, you only need one antenna. And the, that one antenna can both receive and transmit on the different frequencies. Yes. Uh, so a lot of times it's a lot easier to just have the um, duplexer built into the repeater or added to the repeater, and that's less expensive than, than setting up a second antenna and dealing with that. Okay. Now, uh, what are some of the uses, the common uses for repeaters? What are they generally used? Uh, well, in, in our uh, day-to-day uh, operations, we're usually dealing with repeaters for businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, 
commercial type uses, emergency responders, um, municipal transportation, any business that is not getting enough range out of their two-way radios is a candidate for a repeater. Um, warehouses, for example, extremely large warehouses, uh, very large hotels that, yeah. uh, would, uh, are often uh, purchasers of repeaters. Uh, but outside of the business world, repeaters are also commonly used in amateur radio. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot of two-meter or VHF um, repeaters in use, also 70-centimeter uh, UHF um, repeaters being used for amateur radio. And, you know, some of these repeaters, and, and particularly, you know, we're in South Carolina here, we have a network of some of these repeaters. These repeaters can actually be, uh, in a sense, networked together or linked together, as they call it, uh, so that someone in a repeater down in the southern portion of the state can uh, talk to someone in the northern portion of the state uh, from uh, these repeaters linking up together and uh, these, these transmissions pretty much hopping from repeater to repeater to get to the other side. Yeah, it's it's really cool technology, and and um, like you mentioned, our local repeater here in Rock Hill, with a few keystrokes on uh, your radio, you can link that to a repeater in Columbia, mm-hmm. and pretty much get statewide communication here in in South Carolina, mm-hmm. which is awesome for um, you know for free essentially. I mean, if you have an amateur license, you can talk to anyone else in the state via these freely available repeaters. Now, they do this for a specific reason. Uh, the one, the network that they have here in South Carolina is known as the SC Hearts Network, and that is uh, used for uh, for emergency uh, responders and, and the hospital system, that sort of thing, for hams to be able to pass on traffic uh, in cases of emergency. That's right. That gets us into the realm of emergency responders. Uh, there are repeaters set up specifically for emergency responders, you know, police, fire, ambulance, that sort of thing. Um, and of uh, some of these you, are run by the municipalities and yeah, that sort you, of thing. You almost always see their emergency responders on a repeater system because those guys need uh, full citywide coverage or countywide coverage. Mm-hmm. So uh, just radio-to-radio communication will not cut it. So they're, they're using repeaters all the time. In transportation, the transportation industry, they, they utilize repeaters sometimes. Um, taxis, that's an example. I, I, I don't know if you'd classify that as particularly commercial or transportation, uh, but uh, maybe a little both. But um, taxi drivers will use those. I do, I do kind those. of classify that as commercial, but it is sort of a different uh, use. It brings up a good point. It's sort of a different use for repeaters in where you need a uh, mobile radios in a vehicle where you've got a, a fleet a fleet that needs citywide coverage or, yeah. you know, uh, heating and air. HVAC companies have yeah. the same sort of scenario. And they'll even use radios that have a GPS chip built in where they'll transmit the location. And they can tie these radio signals back into mapping software and... and be able to tell where exactly or precisely these vehicles are located. I wonder if these pizza places use them. <laughs> Maybe that's the next big 30, thing. 30 minutes or less. Um, One other use I want to mention for repeaters is in GMRS. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that's uh, sort of used along the same lines as amateur, where GMRS is is a I don't know end user sort of service, like ham is, uh, and it's it requires a license. And if you're going to set up a GMRS repeater, you should definitely be licensed. Um, but uh, you you'll see those from time to time. They're not as popular as uh, ham repeaters, but there are definitely GMRS repeaters out there, and um, they're definitely useful. And there are a few GMRS radios that uh, have repeater capability. Uh, those primarily the Motorola's. Yeah, the uh, high-end Motorola talkabouts you'll see with repeater capability, like uh, the MS three hundred and fifty, MT three fifties. I also want to mention uh, with business repeaters, a license is uh, absolutely required. We we know there are a lot of guys out there who are, are using business radios unlicensed. And uh, technically, you should not do that. The, the, uh, any business frequency use requires a license. But if you're getting a repeater, um, because repeaters have so much range, it is imperative that you uh, get a license and get the frequencies that you're going to have your repeater use reserved specifically for you, or else you are, are certainly going to be causing interference for someone uh, at some point down the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have any questions about that, we do offer licensing services here at uh, buy2wayradios.com. So if we want to get onto a repeater, how do we locate one? Uh, Well, in the commercial area, that's not so important. If you're a business and you have a repeater, you're going to know what your frequencies are. And when you buy your radios, you're going to have them programmed right out of the gate to work with your repeater and most likely only your repeater. But... In the world of amateur radio and in the world of GMRS, where you're going to be wanting, you're not going to have the repeater. You want to find repeaters that are in your area so that you can talk to people. And uh, the way, the easiest way to do that with amateur is to purchase a repeater directory. Mm-hmm. The ARRL publishes every year a repeater directory, and it has repeaters nationwide. And it is the source for repeaters for amateur radio. Mm-hmm. And they have a desktop and a pocket edition, and, uh, and we carry both of those by two-way radios. And repeater directories for GMRS and amateur radio and uh, other types of radio services uh, can be found online. And there are a couple of them that we've mentioned in the past, like the artsitepub.com and, and uh, mygmrs.com. But um, there are so many of them out on the internet that you know you can just do it. Type in, you know, repeater directories, and you'll come up with with uh, a right. lot of them. Now, uh, I've found that a lot of the ones online, if you just do a Google search for repeater directories, it's sort of hit or miss whether you're mm-hmm. going to find one that's that's up to date and has everything. Y- you want to go with one of the larger sites, like in the world of GMRS, mygmrs.com seems to be the ultimate resource for uh, repeaters, GMRS repeaters. Um, Repeater Book is a good one for Mm -hmm. ham uh, repeaters. But overall, repeater directories on the Internet, they're just too numerous to mention. I mean, you just Google them up and you'll you'll find them. Yeah, and my suggestion is just make sure you you find a reputable one or else you, you might spend a lot of time talking to something that's not there. Yeah, but for the hams in particular, the ARRL repeater directories, uh, the books, uh, those are going to be pretty much up to date. Right, absolutely. Well, if we're going to get on a repeater, 
Now let's say you found a repeater. Uh, how do you set your radio up for that? Well, uh, step one, you've got to know the frequencies of the repeater, the, the mm -hmm. uh, transmit and the receive frequencies. And there are standard, these are called offsets, and there are standard offsets um, depending on the frequency range of the repeater, but it's important to know what those frequencies are. And mm -hmm. whenever you find the repeater, those frequencies are going to be published. There could also be a, um, a PL tone or a, a CTCSS or DCS mm -hmm. tone um, that you will need to know in order to transmit to the repeater at the very least. And you need to program all those into your radio, and, uh, and if you've done it all correctly, um, then you should be able to connect and, and, um, and hear both transmit and receive uh, on that repeater. That's correct. All right, well, uh, any other comments on the repeaters? Uh, anything else we need, uh, we need to cover in the basics uh, before we move on? Uh, I think that pretty much covers it um, for repeaters. I would like to thank Brett from Newington, Connecticut, who sort of gave me the inspiration for this show idea. He's been uh, sending me some emails and uh, gave us a few ideas for topics and had a lot of good questions and suggestions for the show. So I'd like to thank Brett for that. Okay. Thank you, Brett. Well, before, actually, before we move on, uh, we've got a piece of news here, too, that we want to fit into the show. Um, as everyone knows, um, you know, the GXT5000 has been – uh, a model that's been discussed quite a bit here in the past, and one of the reasons is because we've, uh, you know, Midland has had such issues uh, keeping it on the market. Uh, and the last thing that we told everybody, and the last word that we received from Midland was that they were just going to discontinue this entirely. And we we mentioned that back in March. Well, it seems that since then we have learned, and we've heard officially from Midland that the GXT5000 is actually coming back. You're right. It is coming back. I'm almost hesitant to say it's coming back because yeah. you know, we spent a long time thinking it was coming back, and then we got the word that it wasn't coming back. And now the word is it's coming back again. It's one of those on-again, off-again kind of relationships, you know. <laughs> uh, we but, we uh, don't have them yet, but we're sort of passing on what – the, the news we've been given. Mm -hmm. And uh, according to Midland, it's going to be sometime in mid-December. That's right. So uh, whether that happens or not is anybody's guess, but we'll uh, just wait and see what happens. And uh, as soon as it does, we will let you know. Yeah, I, I honestly would not suggest that someone pre-order one right now for <laughs> a, a Christmas gift. <laughs> let's yeah. let's uh, wait and see what happens. Okay. Well, coming up, we'll review the Bofang UV5R high-capacity 3800 milliamp battery. Is it a better battery for your Bofang, or is it just a bigger brick? We'll find out next on the Two-Way Radio Show. Searching for two-way radios? Buy two-way radios has what you need. My Two-Way Radios is the source for two-way radios and radio accessories from major name-brand manufacturers for businesses and consumers alike. My Two-Way Radios provides more than just great radios at a great price. We are a leading source of expert advice on the products that we sell and can assist in finding the perfect solution for you or your business. We also deliver great service. Our products are stocked at our local warehouse. 
This allows us to guarantee processing time and fast shipment of your order. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, Buy Two-Way Radios can help you find the best solution for you. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at buytwowayradios.com weekdays. Buy Two-Way Radios at buytwowayradios.com. Your radio specialists. You're listening to the Two-Way Radio Show, and this week we're going to review a high-capacity 3800 milliamp battery from Bofeng for the UV5R. Well, we're talking about the UV5R high-capacity battery. Um, it's a 3800 milliamp battery. You, you know, you see some of these standard radios have uh, 1300 Usually you see, you know, sometimes at the most 2,300, but 3,800 is, is really getting it. Yeah, maybe we should also explain that milliamps sort of determine the capacity of the battery. A lot of people, I don't think, realize that. But the higher the milliamp rating on the battery, that's sort of like that's how much juice is in the exactly. battery. That's how long of a charge you're going to be able to get or how much operation you're going to get on a full charge. That's exactly right. Um, what is, what's the standard battery? For this radio, uh, the standard battery is an eighteen hundred milliamp battery. Eighteen hundred milliamps. So you're okay. gonna you're gonna double it. Yeah, as I um, as I've tested out, you can pretty much get up to about three times, two to three times the um, the average life out of that thirty eight hundred milliamp battery as you can out of the the eighteen hundred milliamp. One. I know Rick is a huge fan of this battery. Yeah. Rick uses this battery exclusively, right? Oh yeah, yeah, you know when Tommy and I got our uh, uh, our batteries here, we when they came out, we uh, we each purchased one and uh, we just used it without charging it up. It, it came almost fully charged. Uh, a week and a half, I think, we were on this these batteries before they finally drained out. That's amazing. That's, you use yeah. your radio quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, it, it's actually been great. And a nice thing about it is is Sometimes with high-capacity batteries, it's going to be a, a bigger battery, obviously. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can't charge them in your standard charger tray. You can do that with this battery. Um, it will charge in the, uh, the drop-in tray that comes with your, your Baofeng radios, uh, the PC-001. It's also interesting how they got that extra space. It's not really a thicker battery, but it makes your radio taller yes. by yeah. an, an inch or two. Yeah, it's... It's it's a a neat setup how they they were able to get that much more power in there, um, and it doesn't alter the radio that much. I mean, you can, no. I, I think it actually gives it a better feel. Uh, I I like the way it feels. You know, it it extends the battery the length. I'd say by about oh I'd say about maybe maybe thirty percent or so, um, but it's actually not bad. It's it makes it feel a little more solid. Yeah, it's not a very heavy battery at all. That's right. But um, the, one of the best things about it is the price. Thirteen dollars and ninety nine cents for a uh, for an extra battery. I mean, I've seen people order uh, two, three, four of these at a time just to keep you know for that. Usually, your higher capacity batteries on your 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 competitors, the well, the Motorola's and the Vertex and Kenwoods, they're they're up in price. Yeah. Um, a lot, a lot more money. It'll fit with, uh, or works with all the UV5R 
uh, Baofeng radios. And the BFF-9, it'll work with that as well. Yep, so... Um, UV5R Plus. There's there's so many models. I think we've talked before about how many different model numbers there are that are, are really UV5R radios. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if it looks like the UV5R picture on our website, it's it, this radio will probably work with it. It's, they're coming out with a new model number for this radio every day, so it's hard to keep up with them. Um, but this battery will work with all of those. Like I said, you can't beat the price on it. Thirteen ninety nine plus shipping. Um, it's good to you know if you want to increase your time your talk time between charges mm-hmm. perfect um i've had people mention that they're they're buying them just to keep them as spares keep them um in an emergency kit or whatever the case may be um speaking of kit i'd also like to mention that we have a getting started kit um sort of a we sort of branded as an amateur radio getting started kit yep but it um could be looked at as a uv5r getting started kit because it, it includes a UV5R radio, a 3,800 milliamp battery, um, a Nagoya 701 antenna, a uh, battery eliminator, which is a, a vehicle power cord for the radio. Uh, did I get everything? Yeah. Um, the uh, programming cable. Oh, cable. programming cable programming and cable. software. But anyway, it, it's all of the – it's a UV5R radio and all of these popular accessories – together in one package for $74.99 and we have the option of adding a uh, ARRL license manual to the order for $25 making it $99.99 it's a good gift idea and it's a good sort of getting started kit uh, for a Baofeng UV5R radio yeah you know for amateur radio clubs that are um, doing classes uh, it's a good uh, starter package to purchase or to recommend for uh, those taking the class to say, hey, you know, it's got everything here, everything you need to get started. Um, here you go. And, you know, it is a great gift for for that ham that uh, whether they're new hams or old hams, the ham uh, that uh, just uh, wants to ha- wants to be able to just get on the air and uh, or maybe have a spare radio handy. These make great little spare radios. Um, you know, really, this is a good kit. $75 gets you everything you, you would ever need. The, the programming cable, the vehicle charger, uh, the upgraded antenna, the high-capacity battery, and the original battery. And it makes a great gift for a mom if <laughs> she's a ham. <laughs> and if um, she's not, add the book so she can uh, learn to get her license. There you, there you go. But wait, there's more. Not only is... They're a kit for the handhelds, the HTs, but there's also one for the mobile. That's base right. The the 920, our best-selling mobile mm-hmm. amateur radio. Uh, we've got a very similar kit for it. Oh, uh, this is a great deal, right here. Yes, it is. It comes with the Ocean KGUV 920P radio. Uh, the latest version, the P-A. It comes with an SPS-33 power supply. Oh, yeah, that's right. You can make it a base station. Right, so you can turn the thing into a base station. And it comes with uh, a Tram 1185 antenna, uh, which which works very well with this radio, and um, a programming cable, so you can can program it. And a software disk. Yep, and a software disk uh, with that. Now... Tommy and I have this set up in his little ham shack. 
in his room, this exact setup. We have the 920PA. We have the, the Ocean power supply, which is actually a pretty good power supply, by the way. And we have the Tram 1185 antenna. Now, what we did, because we have it in the Sam Shack, we're not, it's not on the car, we set up a, a little pizza pan plate to create a, uh, a ground plane to set up on that in his room. And uh, we're up on the local nets every night with this thing. And uh, we're not even on high power. We're at a, we're at a lower power on this. And um, we can, you know, they hear us loud and clear. It's, it's a great little setup. These um, kits make great Christmas gifts. Yeah, yeah. For three forty nine ninety nine, it's that's hard to beat. It really is. Yeah, that's a big savings over buying each of these parts individually. Yeah. And and if you enter promo code show at checkout, you can save an additional five percent off your order. Don't that's forget right. that. That's right. Okay. Any other thoughts on the thirty eight hundred milliamp battery? Uh, yeah, actually, um, there is a port on the side of this battery. We get this question from time to time. Oh, yeah, that port. Um, it looks like you should be able to connect a, a DC charger to this thing and charge it. Mm-hmm. Right? What's, you would think. What's the deal with that port, Rick? I did some research on that. And so far, I've come up empty-handed. There, there doesn't seem to be anything around, any information around on, on this port, so to speak. Now, um, we're still uh, going to get some word from, from Bofang directly on what this thing does, uh, what it's for, if it is for anything. Uh, it does appear to be a charging port. Sure. Of some sort. But um, the IC adapter for the, the UV5R charger or any of the other chargers that we tried does not fit into this. And of course, the UV5R uses the um, uh, uses the battery eliminator, which is essentially has a uh, essentially a, a faux battery pack on the other end. <laughs> you know, it right. fits in the battery uh, slot, so that isn't going to connect to it. So, uh, what is it? Good question. A mystery charging port. Yeah, the mystery charging port. Well, when we find out, we'll let you know. And if somebody else finds out, let us know. Yeah. It might be worth the T-shirt to you or something. It would be worth the T-shirt. We can have a little contest. If you can come up with what that port is for, we'll send you a T-shirt. Or what kind of charger will charge it. I like that. That's perfect, Anthony. Yeah, uh, indeed. If if you can tell us what this charging port is for um, and and come up with the – I mean, we have a guess as to what it's for, but if you can come up with an actual – um, item that is supposed to plug into this thing that's specifically for it, uh, let and us to know. Sa- and to safely charge it, obviously. Yeah, it's safely indeed charge for it. We want to make sure, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, we don't need any fires or uh, anything yeah. like that. So not, not something you've rigged up yourself. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, illegitimate. Surely somebody out there has that we haven't stumbled across yet has come up with a way to charge this through that port. And we'll send you a two-way radio show T-shirt. What a deal. It is a deal. And you know what? We'll up the ante. We'll uh, include a free battery with that T-shirt. A free 3,800 milliamp uh, Bofeng UV5R That's very generous of you, Rick. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) 
it's a great idea. It is. Okay. Well, we have some comments and questions from our blog and our forum at twowayradioforum.com. And the first one uh, comes from Latin Daffy. And uh, he or she says, Hello, I really need some help. I'm looking for a full duplex radio where I can have three people talking to each other. They also need to transmit over 200 meters. Must be able to be carried in a pocket. Is it possible to modify any radio to do this? My application is simple. I'm trying to use it for a referee and two sideline officials. They must be able to talk with each other on an open mic. Is there such an item? Any help would be great. And that's from Latin Daffy. We've had people ask us this quite a bit where they would need something that's open continuously. Um, nothing that we have here is, is uh, you know, everything's pushed to talk. Uh, no open mics. They, they, make, they make some devices to do this, but they're very expensive. Uh, it's not something that you're not going to be able to. And, and the question about modifying a radio to do this. Um, Usually the that's answer, not legal. Yeah, it's it's not legal. The short answer is no, because uh, most of your, uh, if you're looking at a GMRS radio um, to to make that kind of modification, um, it, that's not going to work. It's just simply not going to work. You can't legally modify those for that. Uh, but you know they they do make device they make devices for everything. But something like this is going to be extremely expensive. Okay, the next one comes from Ryan, and he's responding to episode 56 of the Two-Way Radio Show, uh, the update on the proposed changes to the GMRS. And he says, uh, if the genie is out of the bottle, because I think that's what you said initially, right? Or, Anthony, one of the two of you mentioned Sounds that. Sounds like something I'd bottle. say. Yeah. I'd just say, yeah. Yeah. And he says, if the genie is out of the bottle, I say, why not start fining the illegal users? Keep the license requirement. Never think of removing repeaters. Allow digital. Force narrowband. Most all radios can easily go from wideband to narrowband. Change the repeater to narrow and all radios to narrow. Easy as pie. If your radios are so old they can't do it, then I'd say it's time to upgrade anyways. My repeater is my repeater not a community free-for-all. If you want a repeater, go buy one. P25 will cut out eavesdropping. Allow AES encryption. Above all, fine, fine, fine illegal users. Business stay away. You should be on part 90. And that's from Ryan. <laughs> wow. Well, I appreciate um, the feedback. And, and uh, you know, that that is one opinion. And as an opinion I've heard before, um, the... I say the genie's out of the bottle on GMRS licenses. I mean, what I think is that 99% of these radios are being used unlicensed. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think it's practical to go and track down and find, you know, everybody that's bought a um, pack of Motorola Talkabouts from Walmart in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's talking about, and it's, it's not practical. And, I mean, they, they – People that have bought these radios aren't even aware most of the time that they need to have a license. So, you know, as it, far as businesses on on GMRS, and and there are some small small businesses that that use GMRS. Um, I can understand why some businesses would simply because um, 
business licenses are kind of pricey. And for some of those really small businesses, and not just businesses, but other organizations, and we've had this discussion before, you know, uh, churches and, and things like that, um, they can't just run out and, and plunk down a lot of money and, and get one. And, uh, and, of course, once they get those, it's going to require them to go out and buy the business radios as well. And for some of them, it just does not fit into their budget at all. Yeah, that, that's what we see is, is businesses that are buying these radios are looking for a inexpensive way to communicate, mm-hmm. and GMRS just happens to be that. Um, and it's not that they're knowingly breaking the law. They're, they're, um, it's not exactly when you buy one of these radios put in front of your face that a license is required. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that it's it's – a bad idea to do this? Well, yes, I am. It's, I think it's a bad idea to do this. <laughs> but <laughs> I understand what, what he's saying. I don't think it's just practical at all to track down millions of people with radios and, and send them a fine. I think it's kind of a heavy-handed approach as well. Yeah, I, th- I think the FCC made a big mistake not getting this under control in 1995 when the dual service radio started coming out. Yeah, I, I think it should have been addressed earlier. And every day, the clock is ticking here, every day that they avoid addressing this just makes the whole problem worse. Well, I think that the only option they have is to get rid of the licensing requirement. Mm-hmm. I think eventually the license requirement is going to go away simply because there's, I don't see any other option. If they want to get everybody within the law, mm-hmm. we can keep doing what we're doing right now, or we can get rid of it entirely. So, All right. Well, that uh, does it for our questions and answers uh, this week. Send in your comments and questions for Danny, Anthony, and myself to show at buy2wayradios.com. If you want to know more about today's topic or about two-way radios in general, check out our forum discussions at twowayradioforum.com. You can subscribe to the Two-Way Radio Show directly from our website at twowayradioshow.com or hear it on iTunes, blueberry.com, or stream it on Stitcher. All right, uh, we're coming up to the end of the show here. Uh, Before we go, any other final words? I think we covered it all. I think we did. And then some. Well, today's show is sponsored by BuyTwoWayRadios.com. Whether you're searching for two-way radios for general consumer or business use, BuyTwoWayRadios can help you find the best solution for your needs. Enter the promo code SHOW at checkout and save an additional 5% off your order. Give us a call at 1-800-584-1445 or enter our live chat at BuyTwoWayRadios.com weekdays. Everyone, thanks for listening, and until next time, for the Two-Way Radio Show, I'm Rick Savoya. I'm Danny Feemster. And I'm Anthony Roquet. And we're out.